we don't create space for that, we, that's like devaluing the feminine. That's the open to receive part. And that's essential for your health and wellness. And it doesn't have to be so linear and structured. I mean, we even see some of that in Kundalini Yoga, like this is the time that you must do the sadhana. And this is the, and there's value to that. Obviously I got sober doing that. But I also understand that like, you know, the story's not over. It's not like, okay, Yogi Bhajan gave this and this is the story of Kundalini Yoga and now we just carry on doing it. Creation is still moving and it's moving through you and it's a, the universal mind or the guru is revealing itself to you and you need to be able to create time for that space. Otherwise it won't happen. Welcome to the Sovereign Society podcast a sacred lifestyle sanctuary empowering you to honor the journey, trust the process, and radiate your radness. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, soulful business mentor, kundalini yoga teacher, and modern medicine priestess who's on a mission to anchor heaven on earth in this golden era. Join me every week as I'll be sharing with you real talk conversations with some of my favorite sacred disruptors, modern mystics, and soulpreneurs. We are a collective of conscious creators who understand that life is happening for us, not to us. As our contribution to the evolution of humanity, we are honored to share with you all things social justice, personal empowerment, and what it takes for you to activate your legacy. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the Sovereign Society podcast. Prepare yourself because the journey to reclaim your power awaits. Satnam and welcome to a new episode of the Sovereign Society podcast. I'm super honored and stoked that you're here today because I have with me on this episode Tiaga Prem, who's the co-founder of the Dharma Temple Spiritual Center in Vancouver, BC in Canada. And I mean, this is like my third kundalini yogi Canadian I've had on this podcast and they're just all over and it's been great to be able to connect with brothers and sisters who fucking get it and what I love about my community of kundalini yogis is that they're just so fucking rad and they get it like we talk about psychedelics we've got tattoos we're a little more edgy and we allow ourselves to be ourselves while still honoring the traditions and the teachings that Yogi Bhajan brought. And he's been on a mission here and he's really spent the last 20 years uncovering what it means to live a spiritually inspired conscious life. And he's just authentic, he's genuine, and he was just so awesome and rad. And You know, we've been following each other, his wife, she follows too, and hey, SJ. (laughs) And, you know, we have mutual friends, and it was a no-brainer that I wanted to have this conversation with him because the topic of toxic masculinity and just conscious men, like, I'm so fascinated by this because as a collective, I do feel like we're healing this the the times of when we had this patriarchal system really taking over and really you know disempowering or trying to disempower women and the feminine we're seeing that yes there's this rise of like femininity and like the me too movement futurist female movement i don't agree with but there is this rise of femininity but we have to make sure the pendulum doesn't swing in the opposite way and we forget about the men. So it's really important for me to take action 
by bringing on and having conversations with conscious men as to how we can heal toxic masculinity in this age of awareness uh, the golden era, the Aquarian age, whatever resonates with you. But we are living in a time of awareness where we have to see and understand that our actions, our behaviors, our traumas, our beliefs, they are what is shaping and creating our future. So to have Tiaga Prem here to go there and have these conversations about the nervous system and the body and kundalini energy and the power of environment and 5D consciousness. Like we went here for you guys and we went there because we know that we are here to serve and our business is an entity for us to serve. We have to understand that our triggers are here to help us serve because whatever we've endured, there's someone out there that is looking for help someone who's been in our position before, we've been there, we can support. We are here to help each other move forward. We are here to help each other come to help each other to come together to strengthen humanity by first strengthening our own radiance and to embrace who we are. So, I was really excited to have this conversation because I want us to really honor our sensitivities, really honor our truth, really honor our divine purpose. And to do that, we have to honor our needs, our energy, and what it means to be a spiritual being in this human experience. So Kundalini Yoga, I feel like, is just going to continue to rise. It's going to continue to evolve. It's going to continue to show up, and more and more people are gaining interest in it. I get messages from people all the time like, yo, when are you going to teach more Kundalini Yoga? It's coming. I'm here for you. And I'm I'm sharing so much of the teachings of Kundalini Yoga in my 90-day journey thrive. I mean, without this practice, I know you'll hear Tiaga share too, like this practice has changed our lives. And you know, I, I feel like we have this opportunity to really navigate through this time and space with more ease and grace. And we do that by tapping into our life force so we can go forth and really unleash our medicine with the world. So that's our intention here with you. And right now, Tiaga Prem's on his spiritual pilgrimage to really up-level the collective. And it's been really amazing to see the medicine people really answering the call to go on these pilgrimages to really activate and download these codes so that we can go ahead and continue to serve so there's a lot of people being called to go visit these sacred sites around the world whether it's peru or egypt or india or you know the the motherland of their ancestors we're all being called to really go to these sacred sites to tap into this ancient wisdom so that we can really infuse these teachings into our reality today because there is great wisdom there and like you, whatever you've endured, whatever you've been able to overcome, you have a responsibility to share your medicine, to unleash your medicine, to help your brother and sister cut and cut the load and to cut the time of what it takes to to heal and to support one another because we got shit to do here. Like there's no more playing small. There's no more fucking around. Like we are here to really show up and to become our highest selves so that was our intention here during this conversation is just to really help you begin to transmute toxic masculinity within and without in this age of awareness so I'm really excited for you to dive in to this conversation and to understand that 
awareness can either lift and elevate you or it can destroy you. So we need to be able to see what's coming, heal, transmute, activate, and move forward because as we all know, Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So this is your opportunity to do better, to discover more of who you are, to activate your human potential, to clear out the energetic blocks and to tap into the prosperity that is your birthright by harnessing it within. So I'm excited to be having and to be sharing this conversation with you and Tiaga Prem because we go there and this is about how we can really heal the past and activate this age of awareness. So I'm excited for you to dive in. Uh, If you haven't already, subscribe to the Sovereign Society podcast so you can be the first to know when the next episodes are here. You'll be the first to support and you really help us get the message and the medicine out into the world because essentially like we're doing this for you and this is not about me this is not about my guests this is about all of us and so you coming forth and really sharing it's just been it really helps bringing these kinds words and to support and so I want to share um, a new review from uh, iTunes so if you haven't already please leave your review and let us know what you love and this was from Wise Body Wellness 2 and she says Sabrina thank you I absolutely love these podcasts I've been listening for over a year now and got quite emotional when I look back on my journey Sabrina along with some other amazing spiritual mamas have helped me show up in this world as the light worker and healer I truly am these podcasts are real raw and powerful could not recommend this podcast more highly for anyone in their awakening who feels called to make big change in this world. Bless you, babe. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your love and to share your medicine and for doing the work and allowing these transmissions and these messages and these episodes to really support you on your journey. This is why I do this work. So thank you all again if you've left a review. And if you're thinking about it and haven't yet, I invite you to leave your review on iTunes and share some love because that's what really gets the ball going and it's really encouraging and it's just such a great blessing to have you, to have you really anchor and activate and take this wisdom and run with it so thank you all for tuning in i'm excited to share with you episode 75 can you believe it i'm here with tiaga prem talking about transmuting toxic masculinity in the age of awareness enjoy hello and welcome to this new and activating episode of the sovereign society podcast i got tiga prem here and i'm super stoked because i was thinking today before our call all of my kundalini yogis they're all from canada like i shit you <laughs> it's like my kundalini community like they're all canadians it's so funny like you're the third canadian kundalini yoga teacher i've had on this podcast it's so great so thank you for being here and for keeping the hat on for us over here. You're like, you guys are like the turban of like America. Like, <laughs> and, and Mexico's the beard. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. So thank you so much for being here. And thanks for having me. Yeah. I know you're also the co-founder of the Dharma Temple in Vancouver, which I know someday I'll be teaching sooner than later there. 
doing yes we'd love to have you yeah so i would just love to hear like what is your intention for creating a sacred space for this new paradigm of kundalini yoga because i feel like there's so much of the respect of you know the ancient teachings of kundalini yoga but i feel like now that we're in the aquarian age we're seeing a lot um, like an evolution of how the teachings are really being shared and like who the person is. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's been a very evolved kind of experience that I've been witnessing around Mm -hmm. Kundalini yoga and how the teachings are still being shared to be applicable to the times that we're in now. Yeah. I think uh, maybe I'll try not to, too 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 long-winded of a version here but i think some background on how the temple came to be would maybe put it into perspective as to why we do what we do and how we serve like we we look at the dharma temple as an entity like a goddess that we serve it's not our business or it's not you know my wife and i center or anything like that we're serving the dharma temple as an entity and that's sort of how she turned up too. It's like, you know, I've been teaching and practicing yoga for 20 years of my life. And we used to have a previous uh, center here in Vancouver. And that center was started by, I had a student at the time who was like, we, I really love your teaching. We want to open a center. Uh, my partner's got a lot of money. And they even used the words like, we have unlimited resources, which to me now, like looking back, it's like that was a major red flag. Um, yeah. Because when somebody says we have unlimited resources, like from a spiritual standpoint, yeah, that's true. But when somebody's telling you, we, you can do whatever you want and we'll pay for it, that's kind of a, you know, let's just take a moment, read the fine print here, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, that's part of the lessons too. Yeah. You know, it's part of like, Sometimes we have to go through those experiences to really learn because we learn. Oh, yeah, experience. for sure. And and so I was like, OK, let's do it. Let's open this place. We open the place. And at this time, I'm not practicing Kundalini Yoga at all. I have a, a background in academics, a degree in comparative religious study with a focus on yoga philosophy. I was practicing a lot of asanas. And mostly what I would do is like go into trainings and teach people about what yoga is, where it came from, yada, yada, yada but no connection whatsoever to Yogi Bhajan or these teachings or anything like that. Uh, my wife, when she got pregnant, she got the, like many pregnant yogis do, she got the Gurmukh uh, pregnancy book and she started doing the techniques. And I was kind of like, yeah, that's your thing. I'll just carry on with my thing, whatever. And while we were uh, dealing with this, the studio was great. The community was great. But we kept coming up with problems with having investors and and them saying, well, we have the money, so we get to make the decision. And and when you're serving a spiritual community, it can't be all about the money. We definitely need money, but that can't be the driving uh, factor. So we came up against some major roadblocks with that. And then what ended up happening is um, Guru Singh came to Vancouver uh, from Los Angeles to give a a talk and teach a yoga class and a friend of mine who used to live in LA was like you got to go see this guy you're gonna love him he he reminds me of you that sort of thing and I was like okay whatever I'll go check it out and we had gotten to the point with the business where it was like 
so much pressure with these investors that I was having a tough time managing the pressure and just like checking out like, oh, instead of leaning into my practice, I'll lean into drinking with my friends to handle the pressure and, and that sort of thing. And it was, I had a new baby. So that was a transition time. Lots of pressure at work, just like not coping very well. And I mean, I can look back and say, what a great blessing. But at the time, it was super intense. Mm-hmm. And so I went to this uh, workshop with Guru Singh. And I think the class was like three hours. And we maybe did like 30 minutes of yoga. And he just talked the rest of the time. And I was just like mesmerized by him and was like, I could do that. Not not in like, I could do it better than he can or some kind of thing like that. It's a permission slip. Yeah. Yeah. I could see myself in him. And and so I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to this man that I don't know with the long white beard and turban and see. uh, I love him so much. Yeah. He's so beautiful. And we were just with him in Seattle last weekend. He's, He's like one of my favorite teachers. I know he's uh he's so great at like reminding me too like I've got so much great work ahead of me because he's exactly twice my age we were both born in March so I can like see the road ahead of me and be like I've got 36 more years to you know, like, get the stuff done so I don't feel like I have to hurry yeah I had a really wild experience last time I was in this class um I was with my brother Luke Story and we were at Satnam Fest which is like just down was now not anymore but down the street from my house and oh yeah we were front and center uh watching Guru Singh and then that night I had like an exorcism in my sleep crazy yeah so like the teachings he was talking about like really cleared a lot of like really deep blocks in me that like i had an exorcism in my sleep that luke had to call the like the paramedics like whoa yeah i was like vibrating for like 20 minutes and i was like oh my god the wizard i like when i see you sing i see like a wizard like he he's such goes, a wizard <laughs> it's so he's amazing a- but like yeah it's, it's interesting because you know a lot of those teachers they they started when Kundalini first moved, you know, to the West in the 60s. And I feel like there's kind of like this like passing of the torch that's kind of happening. I agree. Yeah, there's like a passing of the torch, but also the importance of keeping the integrity of the teachings. Yes. Um, because no that's what's worked, you know. And yeah. so it's been really cool to see, you know, I do a lot with like business coaching with Kundalini Yoga and like, to me, my view is to see, I was even like really feeling this in my sadhana this morning was like my vision of like what Kundalini yoga is. Like you said, it's like the new cigarette break. Like people like, instead of like going to cigarettes to mask, like whatever's coming up or like going to the bottle, it's like, let me just sit for five minutes. I can do ego eradicator for three and like, for sure. Game changing. For sure. And even the power of the mantra, you know, to understand you know, the, for me, Wahiguru means to live in a perpetual state of awe. That's the practice. And the sound current of Wahiguru is, is exactly what it means. And so it's like not getting caught up in the busyness of your mind or the busyness of the world around you, but to like pause and just be in awe of the wonder of like the water on your hands while you're washing the dishes or being in awe of the bird in the sky or the color of the sunset and start to look at your own body even like a sunset that's this perpetual state of awe and the sound current waiguru is returning you to that like live in awe live in wonder live in awe you're transforming constantly from life and uh birth and life and death and rebirth and what a, what a 
simple reminder, you know, Wahiguru, Wahiguru, Wahiguru. I'm living in that sound current. That's what I try and do. Yeah, Wahiguru and, and Satanama, I feel like, are the two that really just like the cycle of infinity, life, death, and rebirth. Like being able to, those are the, yes. the two mantras that I feel like are my go-tos. Because, um, you know, we want to be able to be in that state of ecstasy in all areas of our lives. And I think people are finally waking up to the fact that like it doesn't have to be hard anymore, this thing called life, you know? like yes. We can't. We have the decision to choose that life can come with ease and grace, and we you, you can get to that point once you've cleared through the blocks, and that's like the greatest thing that Kundalini Yoga has done for me. Like I've been a teacher for five years now, and when I was like, I didn't even know about like I found out about Kundalini Yoga through a Pinterest test like seven years ago. It was like, which yoga <laughs> is it. right for you? And I was like, well, chanting because I used to, like I like to sing and. Yeah. You know, and then I was like, oh, Kundalini Yoga. And then I was going to do um, a yoga therapy 1,000-hour teacher training in Encinitas. And then the studio was offering the, for the first time Kundalini Yoga teacher training. I was like, oh, my God, that was the training that I saw on Pinterest. And so I signed up without ever taking a course. Like my soul just knew that this was going to be the technology that was going to really allow me to catapult out of my shit and align to – my highest self. So I'm, you know, I'm really interested to hear with you about how you're seeing people's lives transform at the Dharma temple um, from when they first walk in to, you know, being committed to the practice and understanding that this is a technology that is really shifting our energetic field. Like what have you seen as the transformation of, of your client, of your students and, and the people that have come through your sacred temple? Well, just to, just to sort of finish the thought about uh, Guru Singh and how the Dharma Temple started, I think will lead us really sweetly into how people have responded to it. Because, you know, when I had that first meeting with Guru Singh and I told him what was happening with our previous center and asked him for advice, because he said he'd take me on for this mentoring. And we had awesome. a call, much like we were doing. And I've been mentoring with Guru Singh for the past four years. So this is about four years ago. And um, he said to me, he said, you know what, the amount of energy and money and time that you need to give these people, he said, is Gyan Mudra. And he held his hand up in Gyan Mudra. And I was like, okay. And he's like, it means zero. <laughs> and he said, and it also means it's going to be okay. And so he said, just take your stuff and go. And I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like if I just take my stuff and go, like, there's going to be a lawsuit and it's going to be this like whole thing and uh, you know doubt and yeah but like you know yogi somebody uh yogi budgeon told guru singh one time he said the worst word in the english language is yeah but, yeah, but. uh-huh yeah, you know and that that was my yeah but moment you know, and, and i was like i don't know and he's like just go and so i did go and we went through a whole lawsuit and like my business coach would say she says hey you you've been to court you're officially an entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> so we, we didn't actually go to court but I thought it was a funny joke but uh, we left and we had to figure out a place to go and everything worked out in the in the lawsuit it was stressful but we ended up opening a new place which is like two blocks from our house called Dharma Temple and it's been there for three years and it's thriving and it, it was a little bit strange for people at first because I went through this massive transformation in a short period of time as a result of what I was doing with Guru Singh. And it was powerful because 
I quit drinking. I left behind this like toxic business relationship. And so I was like, I'm all in. And, and actually, the way I quit drinking was I did the Aquarian Sadhana without missing a day at 4 a.m. for nine months straight. Oh, my gosh. Devotion. That's like, that's like some, that's some uh, yogic rehab right there. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, if I can't do it this way, then I got to go to a program or something, you know, like I need yeah. to change. And so by the grace of the guru, it, it worked. And, and so for people in the community, you know, at first it was like, whoa, you know, the beard and the long hair and the turbans and the, what are we doing now? And, um, but, you know, fast forward to three years later, I, the transformation that I've seen in people is, you know, I used to be able to serve people a lot to bring a lot of health into the body and teach them how to breathe, which is so beneficial. But with the Kundalini practices, taken things to a whole new level where, mm. you know, there are people who are like reconnect. We have a lot of Punjabi people in uh, Vancouver and a large Sikh community. And, and so that means not necessarily that they're like Sikhs coming to the Dharma temple and practicing, but people who grew up around the mantras and around the tradition who are maybe a bit afraid of it, like, or, you know, if that's my parents thing or whatever it is. And then they have these like, profound experiences in the temple where they're reconnecting to their roots. And, you know, like even people that are like going to the golden temple in Amritsar and going to see their grandmother and, and chanting these mantras and they don't have to become a Sikh, but they're connecting it in a new to their tradition in a new way. And then the other side of it is people who maybe, you know, want to learn about yoga, but all there is around town is like, you know, stretch $200 stretchy pants and, you know, standing on your head and that sort of thing. And they come into a place like Dharma temple, which is very focused on, art and creativity and community and it's not just like a punch in punch out do your exercise it's a, a spiritual place we see it as a healing center and a, and a spiritual center more than a place for exercise but we do exercise because that's part of spirituality your arms will be exercised with kundalini yoga <laughs> yeah for sure it's ways to practice and and uh, it, it's remarkable to see what's happening and some people aren't ready for it too like some people come definitely in, whoa what 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 is this and and that's okay we just gotta keep up because we know we're living our our destiny and we're we're doing and we see the benefit we see the healing and the people who aren't ready for it yet god bless them you know we'll be there when they're ready or if they're ready or if they need to do something else that's cool too yeah what was really interesting what you're talking about earlier because this is the same thing that happened with my teachers uh there they were husband and wife in encinitas and uh they she found kundalini yoga first and then he was like no you know i'm not going to do that and then he was seeing the results that she was having and now they own a studio together and so i think there's that's part of the aquarian age is is more of that femininity which is also why that's what i'm seeing with these new spaces is that opportunity for creativity is that opportunity of expression because that is the new paradigm of yoga that is the new paradigm of living and all yoga is is union so it's the union with ourselves so we can see that with that that inner union within ourselves of the balance of the masculine and feminine then we can see that without and we can see that as part of our human experience because the inner is always creating the outer so mm -hmm. it's like i said it's just really fascinating to see how kundalini is on the rise and more and more people are talking about it and it's not going anywhere like these teachings 
you know, they're timeless. They really are because you're working so much with the brain and the subconscious and on a cellular level, you're healing. And which has been coming up for me lately too, is like, I feel like these next years are years that are going to be very strong DNA clearing and healing. And then once that happens, because the lower triangle, the lower three chakras, like those will be like mission complete once you clear through the blocks and then we can live in that heart centered 5d consciousness. So it's really interesting to see how, um, the times that we're in now, it's like people are being triggered like shit. Like they're being so triggered because we're only scratching the surface of this new millennia. We're only scratching the surface of this new paradigm. And so we have been required over the past couple of years to really clean up our mess. And there's no more time to play small because there's so much out there for us to experience. And it's just us getting like out of our own way and us clearing through the blocks and the things that have kept us comfortable or safe because they're what we've known, even if it doesn't feel in alignment in that space. Yes. And I love how you use the 5D uh, language because I'm so uh, into that. I think that there are basically three ways that um, we interact with society and with ourselves. And those three ways are the cultural or social, and then there's genealogical, and then there's like the cosmic or universal. And the challenges in our, our society, like the anxiety that we're dealing with and the need to be right and the time of rage. Uh, comes from people identifying with the old paradigm that you are your cultural background or you're defined by your uh, even your DNA like like you said we're going to change the DNA the genealogical I mean the old Darwinian way of thinking is you are you know if your father had a heart problem you're going to have a heart problem and you could even look at like sickness like skin disease sickness like racism like if you're father was racist you're going to be racist mm-hmm. or whatever it you're might in a sacred be. disruptor that gets to decide that no more exactly and now we're we understand that's not true that actually what defines your dna or your genealogy more than uh your bloodline is your environment mm-hmm. you know they've done they've done these tests where they take three identical cells and place them in different environments and one cell creates bone the other uh, cell creates muscle tissue and the other cell creates fat identical cells placed in three different environments and that's what you're composed of so you're actually more defined by your environment which you have the ability to create because you are creator and creation as one and the way that you do that is you get in touch with the cosmological self or the universal the cosmic self and that is done through the entrance point is through the parasympathetic nervous system the part of you that meditates the part of you that opens to receive the part of you that's the divine feminine that's in everybody, whether you're male or female. And that's what we need most during this time. Because if we identify primarily with the cultural or primarily with the genealogical, we get into trouble. We get into that old school masculine way of thinking. It's got to be logic. It's got to be right. I have to win all of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's like, how do we connect to that portal, which is the parasympathetic nervous system? Well, it's through prayer. It's through yoga nidra. It's through service. It's through deep listening. And and these are the practices of the time and recognizing who you really are in relationship to the whole. And I think Kundalini Yoga is designed for that as a lifestyle practice to create patterns in your life, connect you to that universal self. And then you can expand the 
through the universal self out into the cultural, out into the genealogical. That's how you can change your DNA and that's how you can change the world. Yep. Aho. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I know for me, that's been so much of my journey has been really healing my nervous system and my parasympathetic nervous system, Um, especially after being struck by lightning, because that's what got, you know, attacked because your aura extends out two to three feet normally. But then when you do Kundalini yoga and it it can extend out to way more like nine feet at the time I wasn't doing Kundalini yoga, but it was enough for my aura to have the holes in it, you know, that Right. And the velocity that came from that, that incident went through those holes and it shot my nervous system because the fight or flight response, all of that was like tumultuous for years. Like I literally had to hide for four years because the environment outside of me was too intense because the environment inside of me was shot. So it's a huge part. And that's something that my mentor has always said too, is like your environment is stronger than will. Like if you're not creating that environment to support your will, you're not going to succeed plain Mm -hmm. and simple. And so that's why it's so important to be aware of the people we surround ourselves with um, playing the mantras to really elevate the space. Cause that's also higher dimension. For sure. And to work with these tools to best support you. Cause again, there's no more time. Like each of us came here on this divine mission and each of us came here to live out why we're here. And for us to do that, we can't be doing the same shit we've been doing, you know? So I just think there's just such um, a sense of awe and wonder also that's happening. Like, of course, there's a lot of people that are still afraid to get out of their comfort zone, but there's also this like yearning of like, okay, I see this. And then the blocks are still kind of happening. So yeah, I, I definitely feel like the idea and the, the knowing of the teachings of the nervous system is not something that's really taught about in up and like very recently, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things of Kundalini yoga that we really focus on is the power and the importance of the nervous system, especially as we continue to do this work, we're becoming increasingly more sensitive. So mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we are doing the practices and the habits and the routines and the ceremonies and the rituals to keep our energy elevated to a higher levels so that we can continue to contain the energy that we are creating, whether it's through Kundalini yoga, whether it's through being of service, whether it's through sharing our medicine, mm-hmm. we have to be able to sustain and consolidate our energy. So I think that's also been a huge aha that a lot of people are really having right now too. Yes. And, and this Aquarian age, this time is a time of great awareness. And because mm-hmm. it's a polarity planet, that awareness can lift and elevate or that awareness can destroy you. And that's where what you see with like people's inability to relax. That's a big one, right? It's like if you're constantly connecting to the sympathetic nervous system, you're go, 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 go. The hustle is real and all of that kind of mentality. What happens in the body is that if you're all sympathetic, 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 and you don't create space for relaxation, like you treat recreation as relaxation, like, it's Friday night after a tough week. So I'm going to sit on this bar stool and drink a bunch of beer or, you know, I've had a tough day. And so I'm going to relax when I get home. And I do that by like sitting on my phone for two hours 
Well, you may be horizontal. <laughs> you may be horizontal while you're doing that, but your brain is in an active state, which means sympathetic nervous system is working. So you're not actually relaxing. And then what happens is that the uh, parasympathetic nervous system, because it's not giving an opportunity to come in and do its job, then you create a synthetic version of that. And that's the need to relax, need to relax. And it feels like relaxation, but it's recreation. And it creates an imbalance. And then the, you're trying to, nature's trying to bring harmony to your own individual experience. And that's why you experience anxiety. Mm -hmm. Something telling you that things are out of alignment, things aren't working correctly. Please relax, like your system is asking you to do that. And so the awareness is like we have all this information. You, we've heard Yogi Bhajan say like during this time, you'll be able to access all the teachings with the click of a button. But the challenge is we'll push all your buttons, he said. And that's the thing about awareness. Awareness is. I can access all this information. Isn't it incredible, you know, that I can look up any of the teachings, any of the kriyas, any of the wisdom that I, will serve me with a click of a button? That's incredible. But also, I'm in a constant state of distraction. I'm in a constant state of need for improvement. I'm in a constant state of comparison. And that's the, the downside of the awareness, and they go together. So we can choose how we use our awareness. And that's the way you do it is through those practices that you describe, through your ritual and routine, through your devotional practice, through your strengthening the nervous system, through mm -hmm. your, what you're eating every day, what you're practicing every day. And then you can bring harmony to the, to the system, you know? Yeah, because I think, I, and that's also what I feel is happening too, is the shift, um, the paradigm shift around business. Like the hustle doesn't really work anymore. Um, because if you're in alignment, it will flow effortlessly. And yeah. so I think, you know, being able to like success really comes from being able to be successful within your own energy. So you have to be able to honor that space, like take time out, like understanding if you have that focused intention, like you're going to get a lot more done. So that's where the structure, the masculine energy, like creating the structures and the systems to allow the Shakti to flow the feminine, the creativity, because it has that safe container. So it's been really interesting to also see the shift of business in this conversation that's happening around business right now, how it's not all about hustle, 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 14-hour workdays, unless you're in that 14-hour workday and it's flowing. Like, if you're in that state, like, fucking follow it, you know? But if you're trying to make it work rather than, like, allowing it to flow and you're, like, finding all this resistance and all of these, like, you know, these blocks or things aren't like, that's, you're showing you like, hello, out of alignment, but it takes time mm -hmm. through experience to understand that too, because we can be telling you these things. You're not going to learn just through the words. You're going to learn best through experience. And that's what I love about Kundalini yoga. It's like, it's an experience. Everyone's experience is different. And that's why after you do a Kriya or you do a meditation, you take that deep inhale, lock Mola bond, and then you don't move right after. Cause that's part of like, the integration and the embodiment of the work you've just done no doubt it's it's powerful stuff and you know the, uh, it's interesting you're talking about like that 14 hour day and being in the flow like the way that asanas and kriyas the way that they're effective is that basically you're putting the body in a state that's challenged and you're learning to relax your brain 
So if you can be like in that 14 hour day and you're up against the, the challenge, but you're doing it for the cause and you can actually bring your brain into a relaxed state, it's kind of like the body's moving and the brain is sitting down. Like, you know, the feeling when you get home after a long day and you take your shoes off and you're just like, oh my God, it feels so amazing. <laughs> so like the way that the asanas and the kriyas are meant to work effectively is that even though the body is in a challenged state, like you said, putting your arms up in the air, if you can relax your brain while you're doing that, that's the state of neutrality. That's the, you know. Uh, and you focus on the, on the mantra that's being played. Yeah. That's what's yeah. also working. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever it is that the breath and the mantra are the best thing. Yes. And so you can relax your brain into the state of relaxation, even though the body's challenged. And that's that's the neutrality. You know, all energy is neutral and timeless. All energy is neutral and timeless. And we're mirroring that in the practice. Yes. And it's just like that's also the balance, you know, of the masculine and feminine too. So I would love to to chat about that because I feel like it's such a pivotal part of even of Kundalini too, you know, like we need to make sure that uh, we can, we can even address like the things that are out of balance, you know, work with the Kriya to help. And a Kriya is a practice. If you guys aren't aware, the Kriya is like a practice is kind of like, um, like a formula or like, um, directions, like you would build a cake, like you add onto each thing, like 10 minutes of this or what three minutes of this is usually like three, six, nine, 11, 21, 31. Like it's all like numbers of three or like 11. It's pretty right. much what I've discovered with, um, with, uh, Kundalini yoga. But yeah, so I would love to see, share with you, like you just share some of the practices that you can see that can help people really balance um, the masculine and feminine within them so that they can reach that state of neutrality. Yeah. I think that one of the things that when I work with, I'm pretty passionate about working one-on-one with uh, students. I mean, I teach a couple of classes a week to large groups, but working one-on-one with people is great because you can really see where they're at. And, and a lot of people, male and female, get caught up in that masculine mentality of like, I have to do more to feel validated, even in their spiritual practice, like, like getting hard on themselves because they, they didn't do the meditation every day. They didn't get up at the time. They didn't, whatever it is, you know, they didn't do the hard Kriya. So they didn't feel like they were worthy because they didn't exercise in that way. And, and I found that one of the most effective things to give to people is on top of the Kriyas, you know, and, and we could get more specific about that. But one of the things is, to create some structure in your day, use that masculine energy of creating structure in your day to have time where you're just open to receive. And that means like structure time in your day where you're just like, okay, between two and four today or two and three or whatever you're going to do, I'm just going to be in my home and I'm going to be open to whatever spirit has me has for me to do. I could paint a picture. I could go for a walk. I could sing, I could chant a mantra, I could take a bath, I could, you know, creating space for that. Because if we don't create space for that, we kind of, that's like devaluing the feminine. That's the open to receive part. And that's essential for your health and wellness. And it doesn't have to be so linear and structured. I mean, we even see some of that in Kundalini Yoga, like, this is the time that you must do the sadhana. And this is the... Mm -hmm. 
there's value to that. Obviously, I got sober doing that. But I also understand that, like, you know, the story's not over. It's not like, okay, Yogi Bhajan gave this, and this is the story of Kundalini Yoga, and now we just carry on doing it. Creation is still moving, and it's moving through you, and it's a, the universal mind or the guru is revealing itself to you, and you need to be able to create time for that space. Otherwise, it won't happen. Yep. And I think that's what people need to understand is that you are the one who's like, gets to direct your energy. Like you, you have a responsibility and an opportunity to direct your energy and the container that you are setting through those energetic boundaries and that, that sacredness of like, that's how we honor time. That's how we're honoring time. Time is our greatest gift that we have because it's fleeting. Like it's not always here. So I know through me, through my own experience, I've had to learn a lot about valuing time because, you know, going through the healing journey, it was just like, I couldn't even focus on that, but I saw how much of a hindrance that was for me to not really uh, structure my time or to honor my time and to not even just like have it, like I'll get there eventually. It's like, no, I'm choosing, deciding right here, right now that this is the time that it's coming through. And that's when you can co-create your reality in that sense of creating that time, creating that structure and creating that flow. Mm-hmm. It's the medicine. That's the medicine. And I think like there's going to be a deeper awareness and we can get so caught up in this black vortex that is a phone, you know? And, yeah. and I know for me, I've also been in like crazy time vortexes. Like tomorrow I'm leaving to go to Tucson, Arizona to go to the gem fair and my sister, your sister, Krista Ryerson, Chalice Grove, I'm meeting her there. And we went last year and we we're like in this huge like convention essentially of crystals. And it's a time warp. Like there's so much energy in there, but it's just a time warp. And I think we had to understand that practices like Kundalini Yoga help us navigate time and space through that with ease and grace because it's there to support us. It's not there to hinder us and it's been interesting with time too because we're recording this is the last day of january and it feels like this month has been so long like sometimes time <laughs> like flies that. but Jan- <laughs> this january feels like it's been so fucking long between the eclipses and like the intensity of that because there was so much shadow that came up with this last eclipse portal because mm-hmm. it was in leo so that's the the polarity of aquarius And so I think for us, we had to really go through that period of embracing a blood moon, super moon, wolf moon eclipse in Leo to really help us clear out our own ego, our own blocks to really step precedent um, with the, to set precedent with the, for the Aquarian age. Yes, no doubt. I can relate. So, uh, January, I got a lot of things done, you know, new projects, shooting these online courses that we're doing. I have uh, my own translation of Japji, which is a traditional prayer we do in the morning, which is written in Aquarian language because that prayer has been such an anchor in my life. So I have a recording of that and a book that's connected to that coming up. So I've been in like, go, 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 go mode. And then like, yeah, like two, two or maybe two and a half weeks into January. My wife and I both got like super sick and not, we didn't, we never get sick like that. And we were both like laid flat for like a week. And in some ways, you know, we got to spend a lot of time in our home and just like cleansing things in our home. 
and just putting a stop to the work. And I've been able to get back to the work with a real sense of clarity that I feel like that was a blessing, even though like at the time I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, I'm just well, that's part of what happens. Prepare for that death right now, you know. Yeah, when I feel like when you get sick, it's because you know that old part of you is dying out, and so yeah. that's like anytime I get, I see myself getting sick, I'm like, okay, I'm up leveling because the energy that my body has been holding on to, it's not sustainable for me to go into the next evolution. And I know talking about projects, I know there's a project that you're working on right now that I think is so dope because. I know for me, I've been hearing the call too. And I feel like a lot of strong leaders, like new paradigm, golden era leaders are really being called to go on these pilgrimages to the sacred sites because we need to go to these vortexes to get activated so that we can go forth and share our message and our truth. I mean, I feel like that's why I was called to Joshua Tree. Like Mm -hmm. I, of course, had to clear, I grew up in the desert, so I had to clear a lot of like, Again, my lower triangle, my lower three chakras, so I can be in that heart-centered space. But there's also a wild vortex out here in Joshua Tree. And, you know, now, like, I'm hearing, like, the rise of, like, women being called to go to Egypt. Like, the priestesses are being called right now to go back to Egypt. Or, like, there's massive pilgrimages going to Paris to go walk the path of Mary Magdalene and see what her life was like after Jesus Mm. resurrected. And... Just a lot of people who've been doing this deep work are really being called to go to these sacred sites. And I know you were sharing with me that you're working on a new series of um, going to these sacred sites and, and, and sharing the pilgrimages so that we can really start understanding these ancient wisdoms and integrate it more into this new paradigm. Because if it was working, something was working back then damn straight like they're on to something and like we need to start implementing a lot of a lot more of what we are here so i would love to hear from you that journey and uh the download that you received that this is the next step of my soul's work and my soul's evolution to share and uplift humanity mm-hmm. well it sort of the seed was planted when I was at uh, summer solstice in New Mexico uh, in June this last year. And I was there with two of my dearest friends and um, we were doing the white tantric and during one of the white tantric days. And for your listeners who don't know what white tantric is at uh, solstice, it's three days of one hour long meditations. And it is so intense. On top of a mountain in 40 40- <laughs> it's so it's like you know i'm i was unpacking what happened at solstice for at least six months like uh, oh after that God. happened it's no joke guys i've only done one white <laughs> tantra and it was one day and it was like six hours and like having to like point and hold the third eye of my partner <laughs> like it's like that was like the day, like the week after i graduated from teacher training i was like oh my god i fucking hate this so much so yeah so yeah. You were at White Tantra in... Uh... <laughs> my, my, my friend who I was doing uh, Tantric with, he said, this is the worst and best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, during the... So I have a friend here who we do a lot of music projects together where like I'll do the teaching and he plays like bowls and gongs and all of these things. So we thought, let's do Tantric together. You know, lots of times it's a male and a female, but we're so beyond all of that. It's like we're birthing a project together. We live in male bodies. We're going to do tantric together. And it's funny because like some people look at tantric like it's like a dating thing. Like 
oh, who are you doing country yeah. with? And like I'm high so school. not into that, you know. So yeah, exactly. So we're like, doing, and they're like, oh, two men doing tantric together. Wow, it's like, come on, guys, get with the times. So <laughs> we were doing tantric together, and then during one of the meditations, we're looking into each other's eyes, and then I kid you not, like he dissolves. All two thousand people around us dissolve. So Yogi Bhajan, everyone dissolves, and Yogi Bhajan appears. The real, you know, as a person, not like a dream. It's the real thing happening here. And we're face to face. And he says to me that you're not meant to be a Sikh in this life in the way that you might think. And he said, you're paying too much attention to thinking. You need to pay attention to consciousness and I'll help guide you. And then he disappears. My partner and I are back face to face. All 2000 people are there. My partner's like, uh, dude, where did you just go? And I was like, I'll tell you all about it after this exercise. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. So that's so that's what happens. Then we come down off the mountain and I it like threw me for such a loop. Like I was like, uh, was that real? Am I going crazy? Like I don't I don't know what what to do, what to think. And then fast forward a little bit uh, from there and we go to this men's camp with Guru Singh every summer, which is like a conscious men's gathering for people who are in the uh, doing the practice. So there's like people from 30 years old, 25 years old, up to 75 years old, uh, all men or people who identify as male who come together at this camp. And every year we decide we're going to do a project and uh, as an individual. And this year, my two of my friends who were there with me at the solstice and another one of my best friends were there and we decided we need to do like a spiritual travel show that's not like dry and academic and just like, you know, here's the history of Buddhism and it came from here and this year. I mean, I've done ton of, a ton of that in my academic life, but it's a little dry. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, oh, travel and here's all the fun things and you can eat and drink and party and or even like getting interested in more of the political side, but it's not talking about the essence of like what the people practice the spirituality the heart of what they do so we thought well let's do something let's create something like that and we'll, we'll shoot the first episode we'll go to uh amritsar where the golden temple the harimandir sab which is you know directly connected to this lineage of kundalini yoga and we'll go there and say our prayers and bathe in the nectar tank that has had the sound current chanted over it for hundreds of years and then from there, we'll go to this place called Goindaval. And it's a pilgrimage site that's supposed to clear your karma for an entire lifetime. Wow. And it's the prayer of Guru Nanak, which is Japji, that I've been doing every morning since I started with Guru Singh for four years. It's like, that's my lifeline. Like, I have non-negotiables. And, and so, like, a non-negotiable for me is not, like, getting up at 4 a.m., but a non-negotiable is I do my Japji prayer every morning. You know, a non-negotiable for me is like, I, I serve my community. That's a value for me. But instead of like, you know, go to practice at this time and you have to wrap your head and, you know, just make your non-negotiable simple. So Japji, no matter how awful I wake up feeling in the morning, when I do Japji, my problems dissolve and I'm fully present, neutral, ready for the day. So I've created this relationship with this prayer. And I say all of that because the pilgrimage site is you go down into this well 
and you dip into the nectar tank and you wash yourself with the water and then you step on the first step of these uh, staircase and there's 84 steps total and you recite japji and then you go back in the tank and then you go on the second step and you recite japji and then you go back in the tank and then you go in the third and wow. This goes on for 84 stairs. It takes between 17 and 24 hours. I haven't done it yet, so I'll let you know how it goes on the other end. But a, a recitation of Japji, if you're fast, takes about 11 minutes. So right. 11, 11 times 84, not to mention bathing in the tank, you're looking at starting at 7 p.m., going through the night, finishing at you know noon the next day or something like that wild and but that's the thing too is that when you activate yourself and your kundalini that's your life force so you can be able to sustain yourself through okay. that no doubt and and i think you need to push yourself sometimes through those things that's been my experience you know mm -hmm. like that three three days of tantric all of a sudden i'm there talking to a, a person in real life who's been dead since the 1990s <laughs> You know, so and I th but that's part of the. I think people forget that, like when the going gets tough, it's like this is like you have to go through it. It's kind of like an initiation, like that that shadow that can come up during those moments. Like that's the initiation because it's the invitation for you to be the light, and it's the invitation for you to transmute that shadow into light through your essence and through your devotion and through your being. Totally, I, I know Rumi. I'm par I'll paraphrase here, but I know Rumi. He has this one. Uh, beautiful writing where he talks about how he said a lot of people want to go through the cooling effects of the water to feel the fire of devotion but it doesn't work that way you go through the fire you go through the challenge you go through the dark night of the soul you learn to hold steady or be completely broken apart and in doing that you'll feel the cooling effects of the water those are the first steps like that's the really the first steps of your soul's evolution is the shadow work is healing the core wounds is doing the inner child healing because from there you can break through and i think a lot of people they don't understand that they're just in that victim mentality of like why is this happening to me and it's like no it's happening for you yes exactly. this, these are the steps to actualize what it is you desire yes exactly it, and it's a, a blessing you know uh, my, I have a friend who uh, grew up around like the magic tradition, and he said, "In the magic tradition, pressure is God." Mm. And I love that. I never heard that before, you know, because we we think like about God, like you know, early in your spiritual practice, you're like, "Oh, you know, God, please take the pressure away." But it's like asking God to take God away. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Because it's like God wants the best for you. Yeah. And the best of you. And yeah. through the experiences, you make the best better. Because you are already like you, you're at your best. We're always like where we're at is like what we've known. <laughs> and yeah. through these practices, we make the best of, of ourselves, of our gifts better. Through, totally. Through that. Because we are all extensions of God. We're all made in the likeness of God. So we are all God. And those pressures make us even better. Yeah. And I think, you know, you could look back at your life. I know I can and go like all the like major challenges or huge blessings. The greatest gifts. Like people are like, oh, well, what has been your favorite like failure or um, the biggest struggle, you know? And it's like, it was just a struggle in that that blink of an eye. But when you look back at it, it was the greatest thing that happened to me because it gave me wisdom. It gave me courage. 
it, it shows what you're capable of accomplishing and it shows like your willpower that like when there's a will, there's a way and you go through it and then you can help a brother or a sister down the line go through it. Or you can also lighten the load for yes. humanity. And yes. that's what it's all about. It's like you are that extension of divine love. And when you commit to doing the work for yourself, not only are you healing your ancestral lineage, you're healing your DNA, you're transmuting all of that, but you're affecting your community and the world at large because you're lightening the load and we're all in this one mind. We're all in the golden web together. So that's yeah. why it's, it's, it's important for each of us to take responsibility for the things that are being presented to us so that we can really allow ourselves to step up and show up and really make great change because it starts with us. The inner creates the outer. You know it. I heard the uh, great American spiritual teacher, Bruce Springsteen, say <laughs> that you can either be a, a ghost or an ancestor. And if you choose to be a ghost, you're going to haunt your lineage down the line. And if you choose to be an ancestor there, you'll be there as a great support. And I think what a profound way of putting it. Yeah. And that's your legacy too, you know, yeah. and it's like, we can become better ancestors right here, right now. So yeah. that the future generations don't have to go through the shit that we've had to exactly. endure, that our family had to endure. Like that's old paradigm that we had to keep, like we said earlier, that we had to keep in that flow and in that loop. Exactly. So don't be a ghost, be an ancestor. <laughs> Amazing. So and I have Yogi, one. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go first. I was going to say Yogi Bhajan, he talked about that too, right? About not chasing your ghosts around. Mm -hmm. And there's so many Kriyas to get rid of your ghost too, yeah. like transmute your ghost. Yeah. And now it's like, I think it's in the rebirthing Kriya book talking about like the ghost it's like my favorite kriya book because i like to go deep clearly so like i'm like fucking bring it on like yeah I'm, i can't I do relate. surface level shit <laughs> yeah if i'm not communing with the you know the golden chain from the other side in hd then i'm not doing it right yeah definitely amazing <laughs> so yeah so i'm just i'm really excited to see like you know, what comes out of this pilgrimage that you're hearing the call to answer to. And I mean, it's, I, I'm just so grateful for like people like you who are really embodying the divine masculine. And especially in a world right now where there's like the conversation of toxic masculinity has to come up because that's been the patriarchal system and everything. But it's like really refreshing to be able to communicate with men who are like, understand like, there's like a lot, it's a deeper, like, yes, women like are going through a lot too, because we're like reintroducing the Sophia back into earth, which is like the feminine essence of God. Um, but my, my wife's reading a Sophia code right Sophia now. Sophia code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like next level for sure. I mean, because the earth is Sophia, like mm -hmm. the divine mother is the earth. So we have to like really start working with the elements and with her to really mm -hmm. implement um, the great change because that's why each of us came here. So um, yeah, what is your vision that you're seeing with like the rise of conscious men and um, conscious men groups and, you know, being able to set precedent for what it really means to be like a strong man in today's world? Yeah, that's a great, great topic. I'm happy to talk about it. I think for me, the, the big healing components i can touch on a few things that have been big for me 
Uh, one is having a mentor. Um, you know, I had a lot of teachers. I've sat at the feet of many masters in my 20 years of practice. And one of the things that really made me connect deeply to Guru Singh is that he's such an, a great example as a husband. He's such a great example as a father. He's such a great example as a grandfather. And he lives with a vitality, with a devotion, and he lives with a rebellious spirit. And to have somebody in your life who's a man who's living like that and has lived like that their entire life, uh, that is so valuable and so needed during this time because it's like, who do you look to, right? It's like, who, who are your examples? So that for me is a huge one. Um, the other part of that is going to Kundalini yoga as a lifestyle practice is so beautiful because there are, a, there are many men who have been living like that in this tradition. And I can only speak to this tradition but I have explored all kinds of traditions and this is something that I haven't come across where it's like, I can, I've learned so much about my relationship. I've learned so much about parenting. I've learned so much about my relationship to addiction. I've learned so much about how to hold steady as a man and also embrace my feminine side and my creativity. And the part of me that meditates is the feminine side as well, as we touched on earlier in the, in the talk. And then, you know, it's really important that men uh, create solid relationships because what happens is, you know, what happens with men is if they partner up, whether it's with another man or with a woman, what happens is, is that that person becomes their primary friend or relationship and they become isolated from the world around them as they age. And, and that creates a lot of uh, issue because then we're not talking about our issues. We're not talking about the problems that we're faced with. We're, we're just kind of like isolating ourselves and then living in a world that has been dominated by this masculine quality of like the need to be right, the need to be in control. And the feminine side of that is like we need to come together and be open and honest about what's going on with us. There's great healing in that and everybody needs to do it. And those are sort of the things that I've done and, and then I guess I think it's like having some kind of devotional, some, basically two things. You need something to clear your stuff uh, uh, energetically. So some kind of practice, whether it's Tai Chi or, you know, running or hiking or Kundalini. Movement of or, energy. Yeah, exactly. Some way to move the energy and then some kind of devotional practice. And when I say devotional practice, it means like on a daily basis, you're going into a state of love that could bring you to tears. And that could mm. be like some craft that you do. It could be, you know, it's like- I We all have up. our own things. Exactly. And it yeah. has to be like a deep, deep, deep sense of love. And you need to connect to it on a daily basis. And, yeah, because I've me, been seeing, like I've been shifting the mindset instead of discipline, because it has such a heavy connotation, like mm -hmm. see it as devotion, which yes. is a lot more nurturing because the discipline can be really triggering because a lot of people have trauma from being disciplined, you right. know, as a kid for being, for trying to express themselves and people not really understanding who they are because they're yeah. not, they're just not on that frequency or that level of being able to understand the kid in front of them. So yeah. to be able to see it as a devotion to your highest self, to God, to source, to your intention, it's a lot more nurturing, which is more of that divine feminine essence. For sure. 
There's no, there's no question. So it's like connect to love every day on a daily basis. And that's why for me, like Japji, the recitation of that prayer puts me into this deep state of love. And it's not about a belief system. It's a code. It's a mantric code that works. And the incredible thing about it is it's been chanted by millions of people for the purpose of elevation, for the purpose of, you know, when the Sikh movement was born, it was a social movement saying like, in the old days, if you weren't born of a certain caste, you couldn't even hear the Vedas being chanted. If you were low caste, if a high caste person's shadow touched your food, they would throw it in the garbage. Like it was a re really intense. And they're still feeling that in, in India. And this prayer that I say every morning was the beginning of a social movement saying men and women are to be treated equal. All castes should be have access to spiritual teachings and that there's one universal creator and we all have access to it. That's the essence of the prayer. Right? It begins with Ekankar Satanam. There's one universal creative force. Truth is its name. And Nam, we think Nam is name identity. It's actually like the vibe, the frequency or vibration that is in all of life. Nam is in the birds, it's in the soil, it's in the water, it's in the raindrops, it's in your skin, it's in everything. That's Nam. And, and so when you tune into this prayer that has been recited by millions of people for this very purpose of experiencing oneness, you plug into that and you become that. And when you become that frequency, there's not a lot of room for anxiety. There's not a lot of room for depression. There's not a lot of room for that feeling of discipline like you're being pushed down. It's a deep state of love and a deep state of love for all. Why go to that? Yeah. Why go to that? So you need to find something and it could be anything. You know, you could feel the devotion of painting. You could be devoted to your children. What elevates no. your soul? It's like exactly. what elevates your spirit? And that's what's so beautiful is that we're not robots. Like all of us have <laughs> our own various things. Like, you know, some people it's dancing. Some people it's crafting. Some people it's sewing. Some people it's gardening. Like, and there's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's about that devotion to your highest self, which is your elevated sense of who you are because that is who you are at the core. And then the world of the 3D world, the reality that we live in, that is what gives us the density of give, steering us off course if we allow it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I thought I'd share this quick little story about Ram Dass that relates to what we're saying. If you haven't heard it before, it's one of my favorites. When Ram Dass is, he's giving this talk about his experience with LSD back in the uh, 1960s and 70s, and how that opened him up to yoga and consciousness. And he's telling this story about his experience with psychedelics. And while he's telling this story, there's a little old lady in the front row of the, where he's giving the talk. And he said, she looked like the lady from Tweety Bird, like the tight gray bun and the round glasses and like really sort of dress. And I love that. he's just like nodding along with him, just like totally like right with him on the LSD trip and consciousness and being present and then so he gets to the end and he's signing books and talking to people as you do when you're Ram Dass at the end of your talk and the little old lady comes up and, and he goes I gotta ask you like there's no way you were taking mushrooms and LSD or, or anything like that like but you were right there with me like how, what's the story with that and she said I totally relate to what you're saying because I crochet <laughs> And I'm like, that's it right there. Oh my God, I love that. 
Oh my God. That's so great. Yeah. I mean, Ram Dass, like, I know for me, like LSD helped me find yoga, like plain and simple, you know, cause I yeah. was, it had me face all of my own shit that I like had to, all my shit came up from LSD that I was like, okay, like now it's time to work through it. Yeah. So here comes Kundalini yoga. Here comes yeah. meditation. Here comes all the teachings. Here comes learning about indigos and everything. Like my whole spiritual path, like really kicked off like from that experience. So, I mean, Ram Dass is like one of my favorite. And I think a lot of people like he's just, he'll go down in history, like a beautiful, with a beautiful legacy of like understanding what life really is about. And for other people to recognize that through crochet, like that's incredible. Yes. So it can have, <laughs> you know, devotion, that experience of devotion, not necessarily being devoted to something, but experiencing devotion that can be experienced through many, many, many forms. Seven, There's no limits. There's no seven, limit. Yeah. 7.7 .7 billion at this point, but that will increase. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Oh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I have a few uh, lightning round questions that I love to ask at the end. Okay, um, cool. What would you say is your spirit animal totem right now? Oh, I go with the lion every time. God, so good. But the interview I had yesterday, she said the lioness too. Yeah. Well, you know, I am a car, so she's in her car, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, <you're> right. <laughs> uh, what would you say was the most like profound book that you read that really changed the trajectory of your life? Well, I would have to say. I'll, look, let me put two in, if I'm allowed to. The yeah, first you can one, say two. Okay, so the first book that really changed my life was when I was 16 years old, I saw this orange-covered book, uh, which had a picture of a man with long dreadlocks all the way down to the floor and a massive beard, and it said, It's Here Now Are You by Bhagavan Das. And so I bought the book, I read the book, it completely changed my life forever. Uh, that was over 20 years ago, and so I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that book. And then the second part of that book is, you know, that prayer Japji comes from the Guru Granth Sahib, which is the uh, sacred book of the Sikhs. And if it wasn't for that book, we wouldn't be here talking about Yogi Bhajan. We wouldn't be here talking about Guru Singh. We wouldn't be here, you know, talking about the way things shifted and changed in, in India because, you know, in those days when, before the Sikhs made this social movement, if you were a woman or, and if you weren't a Brahmin, you couldn't practice yoga. It was right. against the law. And so I, I just would like to honor that book because it's a powerful teaching. And, and like I said, the story's not over. The time of 10 gurus, that was a, you know, first there was like one Buddha and one Christ and then 10 gurus and now there's going to be 25 million uh, messiahs, men, women, however you identify people who are going to go, okay, enough of this. I'm going to stand up for oneness. I'm going to do it from a place of deep love. And so I like to thank, you know, all the great masters who have provided this opportunity for us to be the 25 million that create the tipping point so that the 7.7 .7 billion come along with us and we change the trajectory of this whole thing because it trickles down you know at 25 mil out of 7.7 .7 bill that's not that bad no not at all not at all okay so what would you say to your younger self today i would say to my younger self hmm, that's a good question um i would say just try to be kind 
you know you're going to make mistakes but you, you'll be all right if you be kind mm -hmm. i love that and what would you say to someone who feels really lost or really trapped or stuck in their own shit right now i would say you know, I use this, I saw you're doing all this stuff for Marianne Williamson uh, online and I love her. And one of the things that uh, I learned from her and my many, you know, studying all the different great masters, which I believe her to be one, wouldn't it be cool to see her as a president in the, uh, the United States, you know, but, any, you know, anything's possible. And I know. One, thing, one practice I learned from her was, uh, you know, she said something to the effect of like, when you're going through some challenge or you're trying to control, just pause and say, I give my future to God. I and, love that. You know, and I use that all the time when I'm caught, like, you know, I got a big bill from the government. I got to pay taxes. I got it, whatever it is. Like I'm, you have a friend that's sick and dying and I'm like trying using my mental power to try and solve it. Or, you know, even when I was down and out using, you know, a lot, drinking a lot, using drugs, that kind of thing, you're praying like, Dear God, if I could just get sober, I won't do this again. What if you could change that and just say, like, I'm open. Just show me what I need to do. My future is yours. And that has been a huge tool for me. Just oh, my God. That makes me want to cry. Yeah. Take me, you know, take me. Like, if it's death, if it's service, if it's whatever it is, take me. I'm yours. Yeah, I really resonate with that because I met her at my rock bottom and I told her like all my shit that was like three months after I got struck by lightning and uh, I met her at like a like an event and I was like going off, you know, like with all my shit and then she was like, just stop, like you're exactly where you're supposed to be, you're going to be fine, like return to love, that's what she told me. Beautiful, I love it. Yeah, and so that's why I feel so devoted to you know sharing sharing like her presidency because no news has it's been three days now and not a single news source has talked about marianne williamson it's bizarre right the i think they can't the media can't touch the vibration yeah right that's a good way of seeing it that's what it came to me in my meditation i was like why the fuck is no one talking about it? it's because no one the media is so dense with propaganda and low frequency that she is coming from a higher elevation with her message and her purpose that the media can't even see it yeah i love that what a cool way of putting it and yeah. that's why we that's what requires us to show up definitely and that's why like i just what came through yesterday in my saw no is like we are the media so i need to do what i can to like continue to be a leader to share more of the principles and like through that because especially in today's age of of, of social media it's like we really are the media like people are looking to influencers to figure out like how to navigate through these times. So I love Jello that. By, Jello Biafra from the dead Kennedy said, don't fear the media, be the media. Fuck yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so with that, I would love for you to share where we can find you and more about the Dharma temple, especially because you said you have a lot of courses and stuff. coming. Yeah, I would, that. I'd be stoked to share uh, those with you. Um, the, the center is called the Dharma temple. You can check out the Dharma Temple.com. Check out the Dharma Temple on Instagram. Um, and then on the Dharma Temple is where you can, this first course that is coming out, it's called Foundations of Freedom. And it's basically an eight week course that helps people who may not know anything about yoga or meditation or 
like how you could use some of the things we talked about today to create space for more freedom in your life, more prosperity in your life. Uh, and you do it week by week over eight weeks. And that course can be available any day. We've finished all the shooting and it's just a matter of getting it up on the site. So you could check that out at the Dharma temple.com. Um, and then as far as this Jupji project that I'm doing as when I finish this call, I'm going over uh, to my friend who does all the music to finish the recording. I've already finished the English translation and the Gurmukhi, the transliteration. So anybody could learn to do the prayer, but it's written in a language that is really speaks to me. Cause sometimes when you read some of the old texts, there's this underlying, like, you know, the Lord and, and he is this, and it's like, that's an old way of thinking. And we don't want to throw all of that stuff away because the essence of that is pure. And then the, the surface of it is the cultural part that I was talking about. But we can see through it to the universal and update the language, but still use the sound current. Uh, I think that's really important. And so that project should be available soon. And uh, people can follow me also on Instagram at Tiago Prem. And there'll be updates about when that comes out. We're going to do it as an app and an ebook and a hard copy book. So it depends how people would like to uh, get in touch with that. But it's a powerful prayer. And then the last thing is uh, the show that we're uh, shooting starting in India is going to be called Through Lines. And we've got an Instagram now called Through Lines Media, also throughlinesmedia.com. So everything's going to, that's a new thing. So you could keep an eye out for that. But that's, those are all the things that I'm working on uh, and how to find me. Amazing. So one last thing, if there's something that's really on your heart, that someone that needs to be shared and expressed through our conversation today, what would you have to say? I would have to say that, you know, if you are listening to this and you are like, Oh, I feel like maybe I should do the practice or maybe you've been introduced to Kundalini yoga, but you think like, it's kind of like a weird thing, or maybe you think like, maybe it's not, for me or whatever it is, what I would say is make yourself open and, and make your commitment to be like, I'm going to do everything I can to live in a state of awe, which means mm. like noticing, just noticing the, the little things like, you know, I'm sitting in the coffee shop right now and I can look at the people and, and they, you know, there's people with different colors of hair and there's, and look at people like a sunset. And look at your own body like a sunset. Like nobody goes up to the sunset and goes like, well, you know, 10 years ago, I saw a sunset that was way better than this. I mean, that's an absurd way to behave. So if you can just learn to look at even your own self in a state of awe and acknowledge that you're a force of nature, that you are the earth, the water, the fire, the breath, you are vibration, sound, consciousness, uh, you know, and, and maybe that's just like paying attention to your breath or, or go to Kundalini Yoga it will work, you know, or listen to this podcast. Oh, I should mention I have a podcast too called Revealing the Diamond, where I basically just spout off teachings or I record all my lectures. You can check that out too. Incredible. Yeah. So live in a state of awe, you know, make yourself open. Just there's a force that is greater than your own individual thinking mind that is going to take care of you if you just say, okay, I'm ready, take me. Mm, oh, it's so beautiful. Thank you so much for having this conversation. I 
I love when I get to talk to my Kundalini brothers and sisters because they fucking get it. <laughs> it's like they yes. get it. They're understanding and they see the what is the new paradigm because we work every day on embodying that and to be that and to share through our radiance and through our truth of who we are. So thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you so much. And this was so lovely. Thank you for having me. What an honor. We love listening to your podcast. My wife plays it in the car all the time and i'm oh like gosh. i love her i love the, the way that she speaks i love everything that you have to say so thank you for the work you do what a blessing oh thank you for seeing me i really appreciate that and i appreciate yeah i love seeing you and your wife always pop up on my feed in the dharma temple i'm like oh hey so yeah, i've been us. i've been wanting i know chris is yelling at me too so it's, it's going to happen. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Go allow yourself to become more aware. Allow yourself to really open up and allow yourself to commit and devote to becoming your highest self because the world is ready for your medicine. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll see you all soon. Satnam. Satnam. I mean, if you don't feel activated after that conversation, I don't know what's going to activate you. So much love to my brother Tiaga Prem for going there with me. I really appreciate and you know, I'm very conscious of the people that I bring on to have these conversations and to share with you because I can't do surface level conversations. I'm a person of, of depth and this conversation was the epitome of that, like being able to talk about toxic masculinity and you know overcoming addiction and kundalini yoga the power of healing yourself the power of embracing who you are and your journey like oh this is what i live for so much love again thank you tiaga prem go check out the dharma temple especially if you're in canada and in vancouver check out their website check them out on instagram you can check all the links in the show notes and i just really want you to start thinking about how can we start to have these conversations with not just the men but with women about healing toxic masculinity and supporting one another in our activation and in our awakening and Let's start taking action. Let's start implementing change by embodying the person we are ready to become, our highest self, our truth, our satnam. It's it's all about you giving yourself permission to go there. It's about you giving yourself these opportunities to have the non-negotiables to really honor your soul's evolution, to embrace all facets of your human experience and to understand that this is the age of awareness we are acting out based on our level of awareness and so take inventory understand where you can do better and choose to be better thank you so much for tuning in again if you haven't yet please subscribe give us five stars and leave a review on itunes it really helps bring this medicine out to the world we do this for you guys and we would love to help continue share this to share these this message and this medicine but we need your help so if you love this episode share it with a friend think about it really start taking into action what we're talking about here and together we have the power to anchor in the golden era and to cultivate 
this conscious generation of tomorrow today. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll be seeing you soon. Take care. Satnam.